Hey there, this is Brian Zond, and welcome to my sermon podcast. I'm glad that you're interested in the sermons that I preach here at Word of Life Church in St. Joseph, Missouri. And if you ever feel inclined to help us by supporting us financially, you can do that at our website, wolc.com. Thank you. All right, good morning, those of you in-house and those of you online. Good morning to you. I think I'm going to have to come out and wake some of you up. You seem, you seem a little sleepy. You seem a little sleepy, but that's, uh, I, guess my, I guess it'll be my job to wake you up. I can do that. Uh, we had a big weekend, but that's why some of you are sleepy. You're just worn out. You're just worn out. We hosted Beth Moore and Living Proof Ministries. Yeah, that was fantastic. And I know, I know a lot of our team, and we had a lot of volunteers that really worked hard, and you... And you know, we did it the word of life way, which means we did it right. And uh, we were good hosts, and it was a wonderful time. And, and Beth Moore, who had kind of known at a distance, we knew each other online and stuff, but we, we were able to share a meal, and, and uh, she's just as wonderful as you might imagine she is. Amen. That's, that's, that's the fact of the matter. Uh, and, of course, last Sunday was our, was our anniversary Sunday. 41st, yeah, woohoo, 41st, 41st anniversary. And we have our anniversary offering, you know that. And uh, last weekend, this church, this church, this Word of Life church, gave, listen to this, $96,463. And some pennies, but I didn't write those down. I probably should have, but I didn't. That's awesome. Now, I was praying for 100000 but we're only 3500 or so, a little more, uh, short of that. So that'll come in. That'll come in. That'll come in. I was praying for 100000 and 100000 will come in. Somebody said, why didn't you pray for 200000 Well, you know, that's not how it works. It's, it's unto you according to your faith. And so anyway, I, that's, that's awesome. That's, that's super generosity. That'll help us a whole lot. And, and we are, I'm praying that I know, I know some, some extra for the anniversary offering. You just designated anniversary offering and that'll come in this week and we'll hit that hundred thousand dollar. Isn't that great? Just say, praise the Lord one more time. Just say, praise the Lord. That's good. All right. Okay. Well, let's, uh, let's get ready to go into the scriptures. And as we go into the scriptures, I want to pray the prayer of the week because it's apropos. It, it, right before going to the scriptures, uh, we're going to pray the prayer of the week. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen and amen. This morning I want to preach on springs of salvation. Springs of salvation. Uh, on the next to last Sunday of ordinary time, and that's today, so next Sunday is the last Sunday of the church calendar, so that on November 27th we start over with the first Sunday of Advent. Well, on the next to last Sunday of ordinary time, the lectionary gives us two readings from the prophet Isaiah. There's the glorious eschatological vision of the new heavens and the new earth from Isaiah 65 that we heard just moments ago. Uh, and now uh, the second reading 
is the song of salvation found in Isaiah chapter 12. Isaiah 12 and the song of salvation. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For Yah, the Lord, is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. With joy, you will draw water from the springs of salvation. You will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, make known his deeds among the people, proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. Let this be known in all the earth. Shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. Man, that's good Bible right there. That's good stuff. This is a song of salvation for all who need salvation. Now, do you need, do you need salvation? Do you need to be saved? Somebody said, well, I was saved 25 years ago. And I believe it. I do. I believe that. But are you all done? <laughs> Is that it? You ever wish you could get saved again? Because we can. <laughs> that's kind of, the, that's, that's, don't, don't put all of your salvation in the past tense. Don't put all of your salvation in the past tense. So this, this is a song for those that need salvation. Uh, last week, last week was the 48th anniversary of my dramatic encounter with Jesus Christ on November 9th, 1974. So last, what was it, Thursday? Last Thursday was the, the 48th birthday of that encounter with Jesus Christ. And, and I can say that 48 years ago, Jesus saved me. No doubt about that. That's for sure. That's real. That happened. But I'm, I'm not... I've not got all the salvation I need yet. I'm being saved. Anybody with me on that? You're, you're being saved. And so uh, Isaiah 12 is the sweet, sweet song of salvation for all who need some more saving. Now the prophet Isaiah says, surely God is my salvation. Surely God is my salvation. Surely God is my Salvation. I don't want to get all technical, but this will bless you. Uh, surely God is my... Anybody know the Hebrew word for salvation? Anybody know that? It's Yahshua. Surely God is my Yahshua. Yeah, the, the, the Hebrew word for salvation is Yahshua. You know what Yahshua also is? That's Jesus. That's, that's the name of Jesus, Yahshua. Surely God is my salvation. Surely God is my Yahshua. Surely God is my Jesus. <laughs> Does that bless you? Yes. Surely God is my Yahshua. Jesus is the salvation of God. Salvation is not a plan. It's a person. God doesn't have, God doesn't have like little packages of salvation for this. He has Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Not a plan, not a formula, not little packets of salvation, but he gave Jesus to us. Jesus is the salvation of God. All the promises of God, all the promises of God, and we heard a lot of promises out of Isaiah 65. 
about new heavens and new earth, that eschatological glorious vision of everything set right. All the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. And through us, the amen is spoken to the glory of God. That's what the Apostle Paul said, 2 Corinthians 1.20. All the promises of God, God makes promises. All the promises God makes find their yes fulfillment in Jesus Christ. Jesus comes. I mean, he's introduced to us in Matthew 1.1 as the seed of Abraham and the son of David because promises were made concerning the seed of Abraham, concerning the fact that there would always be David would always have a son upon a throne. There were promises that were made to Abraham and to David and to the rest of the world that find their fulfillment in Jesus. Jesus is the yes fulfillment of every promise that God made. And we add the amen. We say, yes, I believe that. I respond to that. Amen. Jesus is the, Jesus took on the fullness of humanity in order that he might heal what it means to be human. Humanity had, had gone wrong. We know that. Something happened. Something went wrong. We're not, we're not, we haven't been rising up to who we're supposed to be, who we were created to be, the sons and daughters of God. And so we're given a new start, a new progenitor, a new beginning, a recapitulation in Christ so that Jesus becomes the second Adam, the last Adam, the new Adam, that we might have a new beginning. But Jesus takes on our woundedness. He assumes it. He takes on our woundedness that he might heal us, that he might heal our humanity. By his wounds, we are healed, it says in 1 Peter 2.24. By his wounds, we are healed. He was wounded for our healing. And so when we bring our wounds to the wounds of Jesus... When we bring our wounds to the wounds of Jesus, it does not multiply woundedness. It initiates healing. And we, be, we begin to recover. We begin to be saved. We begin to heal. We begin to get better. Surely God is my salvation and Jesus is that salvation. Then the prophet goes on to say, I will trust and not be afraid. I will trust and not be afraid. When we're in trouble. Or when we see trouble looming, or the potential for trouble looming, we become afraid. We can become afraid. We often become afraid. And fear has torment. Isn't that the truth? Don't you hate being afraid? Don't you just hate it? Because it, I mean, the Bible's telling the truth when it says fear has torment. And so what happens is, I mean, there, there, is a, there is a kind of a, re, a healthy response of fear. I mean, you know, when, the, when you're being chased by the lion in the African savanna, the fear kicks in so you get some adrenaline and maybe you can survive this. Probably not, but, you know, you give it a shot. <laughs> but what happens is with fear, it can, it can run amok. And, and there isn't a lion. We're not being attacked, but we're imagining a, a future in a dreadful way, and it, it produces that stress, that anxiety, that deep-seated fear that just won't go away. That my friend Paul Young calls that future tripping. That, that what we're most afraid of really actually isn't happening at the moment, but we're future tripping. We're, we're, we're going off into the future and imagining worst-case scenarios and things like that, and it just... It, tortures our soul. But the song of salvation says, 
I will trust and not be afraid. So instead of being afraid of what the future might bring, there is the option actually of trusting God. We can trust God. Now, now I don't mean, I don't mean that you have to become the mighty hero of faith and get enrolled in Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of fame. Uh, that, that puts just more pressure on people. I'm going to believe good. I'm going to believe good. I'm going to believe, try to believe good. You know, and it's just, rather, let's just use the word trust. That's what the word, let's just sort of say, God, I'm trusting you. I don't know how this is going to work out. And I'll tell you what, God, let's not even make it dependent on my faith. I just trust you. Why don't you just, you, you take care of it. I'm, I'm deferring to you, God. You know, your mind is screaming, what are you going to do about this? What are you going to do about it? I have deferred this to God. I have put this in God's hands. I'm trusting God. Sometimes I think when Jesus said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, there's a sense in which Jesus is saying, I've done everything I can do. I've come to the end. It's in your hands now, God. And you can do the same thing. You can put it in God's hands. You can believe that God causes all things to work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. And say, I can't figure it out. And I'm not going to try to, you know, use my faith in some sort of specific fashion. And I'm just going to trust God. I'm just going to trust God. I will trust and then, and then not be afraid. As, as we trust, well, I don't know what's going to happen. But I, I'm putting it in God's hands. So I believe it's going to be all right. I believe that all shall be well and all shall be well. And all manner of things shall be well. I believe everything's going to be all right. I don't know what, the bad things may happen, they may not, I don't know, but I'm trusting God that God will not abandon me, he'll not forsake me, he'll be with me right there in the midst of it and he'll cause in the end for it to it'll work out for good. It's gonna work out because I put it in, in God's hands. And then Isaiah says, with joy you will draw water from the springs of salvation. That's really what I wanna preach on. The other was just kind of getting warmed up. Um, I'm warmed up now. What I really want to preach on are these springs of salvation. These springs of Yahshua. These springs of salvation, these springs of Jesus. And of course, to do that, I, I've got to get to Jesus. So let's just, let's just leap into the New Testament. I can't, I can't read Isaiah 12 and hear about the springs of salvation without thinking of John chapter seven, verses 37 and 38. On the last day of the festival, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out saying, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, from his inner being will flow streams of living water. Okay, this happens during the Feast of Tabernacles. Sukkot. This is an autumn feast in the ancient Israel's calendar, although it's, they still observe it today. And so it's a feast of tabernacles. It's a seven-day festival with, a, with particular closing ceremonies on the eighth day, the great day of the feast. And part of, part of the festival there in Jerusalem, the, the Feast of Tabernacles, is that there is a procession that begins at the pool of Siloam. It's led by priests, and, but the people are there singing songs and there's a whole, there's a procession 
from Siloam up to the temple. You go, go, to, go on the Holy Land pilgrimage with us in March, and you can do that. You can, you can walk from the pools of Siloam. Those have been recently excavated. I mean, within the last, I don't know, 15 years or so, up to the Temple Mount. And, um, but anyway, there's a, there's a, there's a the part of the Feast of Tabernacles is the water ceremony where the priests draw water from the pool of Siloam. And the people, they march, they walk, they process all the way up, singing various hymns. And they get up, they get up to the temple, they get to the altar on, at, the, at the temple, and, they pour, and the priests pour out at the base of the altar water and wine. They pour out water and wine. Not just water, water and wine. I like water and wine. Water and wine. John, the evangelist, is a theological artist who wants us to see what he sees, and he sees water and wine. At the wedding feast of Cana, Jesus turns water to wine. And at the cross, John saw water and wine, that is water and blood, flow from the side of Jesus. One of the soldiers pierced Jesus sighed with a spear, and at once blood and water came out. He who, has, he who saw this has testified. His testimony is true, and he knows that he tells the truth. He testifies that you may also believe. All right, now back, let's go, let's go back to the Feast of Tabernacles, six months before the Passover feast and the crucifixion of Jesus. Water and wine have been poured out around the base of the altar during the festival. And now on the last day of the festival, Jesus stands up in the temple and says, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. This is in the context of that ceremony. Jesus is the well of salvation the springs of salvation. With joy, you will draw water from the well of salvation, the well of Yahshua. When Jesus was on the cross, a spear pierced his side. Let's say it this way. A spear reached into the very innermost being of Jesus. What's his innermost being? Very God of very God. A spear reached into the innermost being of Jesus, that is, into his divinity. And from the pierced side of Jesus, there flows, John said, I saw it, water and wine, water and blood flowing out. From the, heart, from the pierced heart of Jesus, from the innermost being of Jesus, his, his divinity flows out, his, his godness flows out like water, like wine. It flows out so that we might participate in the divine nature deep within. So, so we come to Jesus. We're thirsty. We come to Jesus and we drink of the fountain. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that blood lose their guilty stains. Old hymn. And so we come to Jesus and there's this, there's this line in John 7, 38, from his inner being will flow streams of living water. From his inner being will flow streams of living water. 
you know, I read all the commentaries, all the textual scholars dealing with that passage, and it's unclear. It's unclear whether the person referred to is the Savior or the believer. And, and you, get, you get commentators that line up on one side or the other. Some say, well, that's actually, Jesus is actually talking about himself. From his innermost being shall flow streams of living water. And then you connect that when his, his side being pierced. And that's out of Zechariah. You know, they'll look upon him who pierced and they'll be opened in Jerusalem a, a, a fountain for cleansing and all of that. Uh, so some commentators say, well, he, that, that reference from his innermost being shall flow streams, rivers of living water. That's re referring to the Savior. Others say, no, it's referring to the believer. I want to say, yes. <laughs> yes. So, so the, the, the well of salvation begins with Jesus. Jesus is the Yahshua of God. Jesus is the salvation of God. The well begins with Jesus. But when we come and drink of it, then we get that well on the inside of us too. We're drinking of his divinity. Of, we're we're going to do it here in a little bit. That's what this table's about. We're going to partake of his divine nature, but that then becomes something within us. And then within us, initiated by Jesus himself, there is the springs of salvation that begin to flow out of our innermost being because our innermost being has been touched by the innermost being of God in Christ. Come on, is this beautiful stuff or what? This is salvation. Now, there is though the line about believing. Who, whoever believes in me. Whoever believes in me, Jesus says. Whoever believes in me. What do you believe in? I mean, really, I don't want church answers. In fact, I don't want you, I don't, just, just, just don't answer. <laughs> just sit there. Think about it. What do you really believe in? Not, not like, you know, give a nice Sunday school answer. No, what do you really believe in? I mean, what do you, I mean, really, what do you believe in with passion, with depth, with devotion, with firm conviction? You're staking it on this, basically. Do you believe in your politics? So that it all rises or falls on whether the elephant team or the donkey team is winning? Is it, uh, is it, is it you really believe in your nation with all of its history and its military and all of that? Is that, what you, is that what you believe? Is it money? So if I get the money, I'll be okay. I'm going to worry until I have the money. When I got the money, then I'm okay. Then I trust it. And God we trust on our money. <laughs> is it your theology? Is that what you believe? I, I believe in my theology. I've got my, I got my theological ducks in a row. Is that what you believe in? I mean, there's, there's a lot of people that that's how they think about it. You know, salvation is based upon getting a good score on the theological quiz. Do you believe, is it yourself? And I'm just, you know, in the end, I, I'm, I can't really count. I'm going to have to depend on myself. I have to count on, I'm just, I'm going to trust in myself. I'll have to figure out a way to get through this. What do you believe in? What's going to save you? 
course, you know that I'm going to tell you this, that in the end, all these things are going to let you down. So I believe in Jesus. Now, this is, this is a problem in preaching because it sounds like just such a shop-worn cliche. Oh, a preacher stood up on Sunday morning and said he believed in Jesus. Well, good for him. He's paid to say that, isn't he? So I don't know. I'm going to have to work it. I mean, I really do. I mean, I really do. When they weren't paying me, I believed in Jesus. It's not a cliche to me. Um, I don't believe in politics. I have political opinions, but I don't believe in them. I don't believe in my nation. That's not my salvation. I don't believe in money. I don't believe in myself. I don't believe in my theology. I believe my theology, but I don't believe in my theology. I mean, I got my theology. You know, you, you can't help but have it, or at least I try to do it intentionally, thoughtfully, carefully. That is, by, by theology, I mean how we think and what we say about God revealed in Christ. I have that and I believe it, but it's subject to change. I know it's subject to change because I'm always trying to get it better. So I believe my theology subject to change as it is, but I don't believe in my theology. Like that's my salvation. Like all, all the springs of salvation are in my theology. Lord have mercy. No. I believe in Jesus. I mean, what do I believe? Well, I mean, I, I, we could be here a while. But I, I believe that in the beginning was the word, the logos of God. I think of that as God's reflection upon God's self. In a, in, a, in a union of love that is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I believe that that logos, that word of God, the word of God became flesh and lived among, was born. I believe that God was born into the human race through the Virgin Mary in the person of Jesus Christ. And I believe that Jesus walked the world as the wisdom of God. And so I, I, I have to pay attention to everything Jesus says. Because it's truth. Jesus is the truth. Christians should never say, Christians don't say Christianity is absolute truth. Don't ever say that. Christianity is not absolute truth. Christianity is the religious response, and I'm using that in a good way, a religious response to the reality of the word become flesh an incarnation, crucifixion, resurrection, ascension. And, and Christianity is working it out. And it, it's also subject to change. Christianity doesn't say Christianity is absolute truth. Christianity says Jesus is absolute truth. And I believe that. And I believe that something happened at the cross that changed the world. Jesus said, and I, if I am lifted up, I will draw, I will drag all people unto myself. I believe it's the moment when the sins of the world are forgiven. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. I believe that Jesus is the savior of the world, which means I believe the world will be saved because Jesus is the savior. I believe that and so much more. But I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a paid spokesman. I'm telling you, this is what I believe at the very core of my being. The gospel is Jesus. Now, there's not a plan of salvation. There's a person of salvation. The gospel is Jesus. 
The gospel is the story of Jesus. The gospel is not the plan of salvation. It's not an atonement theory. It's not Christianity. It's Jesus. The gospel is the story of Jesus. It's Jesus, but Jesus comes with a, with a story. Life is a mystery. Love is a dancer. Singers and dancers alike say, all my springs are in you. Life is a mystery. Love is a dancer. Singers and dancers alike say, all my springs are in you. All my springs of salvation are in Jesus. I have a lot of loves, many interests, and my fair share of opinions. But all of my hope for salvation and all my hope for this world is in Jesus. Either Jesus saves me or I'm lost. Either Jesus saves the world or we're lost. 48 years ago, Jesus captured my heart. Somebody asked me, somebody asked me this week, because you talk about, because, you know, they said to me, you talk about this real dramatic encounter with Jesus, and it was. Did you have a choice in the matter? And see, if I get too reflective, I, I, because then, cause then I'm, I'm trying to do theology at the same time. <laughs> because I, I really believe, I really believe in free will. I really do. But it's hard to see I, how I had a choice. <laughs> When Jesus crashed into my life like that, I was like, well, what are you going to do? Say no? I mean, in theory, in theory, I had a choice. As I, if I'm honest about my experience. See, I, didn't, I don't even, I don't have any story. I can tell you about getting saved or, you know, meeting Jesus at 15. I have no story to tell about being called to the ministry. It just all happened then. And there wasn't even a call. It's like, well, this is my life now. <laughs> now, if I had told somebody that 48 years ago at age 15, they would have thought, you know, well, you know, nutty little kid getting religion, you know, that'll wear off. Well, you know, after going on, going on half a century, I think we can say, okay, maybe, maybe I was right. That I just knew this was my life. Now, um, 48 years ago, Jesus crashed into my life, captured my heart, and that has never changed. And it's not going to change. <laughs> I am an incorrigible Christian. I, you cannot reform me to be something other than Christian. Not because Christianity is so perfect. It's not. Not because the church is so wonderful, because most of the time it's not. I am an incorrigible Christian because Jesus. That's it. That's it. That's it. I can have respect for other human constructs of religion. I do. I do. I have nothing but the deepest respect for the other you know, major religions of the world. Judaism, Buddhism, Hinduism. Nothing but respect. But I'm an incorrigible Christian because Jesus. <laughs> I, I just have to stay with Jesus. I'm going to stay with Jesus. So that my midlife water to wine journey was not a crisis of faith regarding Jesus Christ. I simply, at midlife, reached the point where I thought, you know, Jesus deserves a better Christianity than this. Jesus is still the one that fascinates me, the one that saved me, 
the one in whom I place all of my hope for salvation. But I just began to be a little more aware. I began to look around with eyes wide open and I thought, the Christianity I see is too tame, too accommodated and accommodating, too consumerist, too American. And I had to go on a search to find a better Christianity that began to approach being more worthy of Christ. And that search led me into, into wider fields, becoming ecumenical, and it led me in reaching back, you know, to the great tradition. And guess what? I found what I was looking for. I mean, I'm still finding it. I don't, I'm not looking for the one true church and in that business. But, but I am finding a richer, deeper expression of following Jesus. And that's my prayer for Word of Life Church, that we would be an authentic expression of the kingdom of Jesus in the 21st century. Amen. But that, that, that was a crisis, and it involved thrilling discoveries and painful loss. It involved both. But it was never about, you know, I think some of my critics thought, well, he's going to just fall away from Jesus. He's not. He's going to remain a Jesus freak till the end. And in fact, it was my, my Jesus freakness that led me on the journey to find a better Christianity. The one that wasn't just, you know, American Christianity with a Jesus fish on its bumper. So I was looking for something and, I, and I'm, I'm finding it. I found it. But Jesus himself has always been the constant. The one constant that's always been my springs of salvation. Oh, they're in Jesus. Jesus is my well of Yahshua, my well of salvation. Amen and amen. Stand up with me. And let's come to the springs of salvation. Let's come to the altar. Let's come to the bread and wine. Let's come to the life of God. Let's come and partake. Let's come and receive into our being a participation in the divine nature. The cup of blessing which we bless, it's our participation in the blood of Christ. The bread which we break is our participation in the body of Christ. And you are invited to come and participate in the divine nature. Amen. Join with me first in confessing our Christian faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now let's confess our sins and receive the Lord's forgiveness. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. And God is gracious 
to all who confess their sins and in humility ask for mercy. In the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. And this is the table, not of the church, but of the Lord. In other words, it's not the church that controls it. It's the Lord's table. It is made ready for those who love him and for those who want to love him more. So come, you who have much faith and you who have little. You who have been here often and you who have not been here long. You who have tried to follow and you have failed. Come, because it is the Lord who invites you. It is his will that those who want him should meet him here. The body of Christ broken for you. The blood of Christ shed for you. Amen.